Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and moms around the world. <laughs> Happy Halloween! Halloween was always my grandmother's birthday. Happy birthday, Florence. We love you. She used to always say, light up your eyes. Um, so my little Sabrina, she's four. She's going to be Merida from Brave, the princess from Brave. And I'm um, pretty confident about that. I am pre-recording this intro, so not 100% certain. I read on a Facebook mom group that was so great that <laughs> the number of hours you spend on your child's costume, like the more hours you spend, the greater the likelihood they will change their mind. We have a couple backup options. I didn't spend any time on Sabrina's. <laughs> I love that I'm like proud of myself for that. <laughs> this is the best mom podcast ever. Uh, I didn't spend a lot of time. Somebody did on Etsy, and we're all going to pretend like it was me. Anyway, right now it's really, really hot. Forget fall. It's, uh, it's like 100 degrees. The other day I was pumping in the car, and it was so insanely hot. Uh, shout out to my Spectra Pump. Great battery life. I'm on the school book fair committee. And actually, oh man, you guys, the other day, this was so embarrassing. Around 1 a.m., I went to get my bra for pumping. You know, the one with the two slits, like where the nipples go, so you can stick those suckers on. It was missing. And then I realized I had left my pumping bra in the preschool library. To be fair to myself, the uh, the library is just like one little room with a door that shuts. So I had privately pumped in there that afternoon, but I accidentally left the bra in there. The next morning, I found it. Someone had very sweetly like folded it and put it in a corner for me. Um, how humiliating is that? I want to know where did you guys, where have you left your personal items? Anyone? Oh, goodness. Oh, boy. Oh, the shame. Oh, the anxiety. Guess what else gives me shame and anxiety? Money. The topic of money mm, gives me a little bit of acid reflux. So a little bit about my backstory. I was raised by a single mom. And I remember in kindergarten going with her to her minimum wage job. And she finished up law school after a six-year break because she had gotten married and had me. So once she got divorced, um, minimum wage job, went back to finished law school, and then became a lawyer. She became a lawyer at 34 years old. And then she ended up billing more hours than anybody. Uh, today, there are 100 equity partners in her law firm, and she's one of 15 women that are equity partners. Uh, she's a total badass. And again, she made me swear that I'd never be dependent on a man because uh, she didn't want to ever be dependent on a man again. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's where, that's my model. And um, But here's the thing. She would also go to the office like Christmas Eve, like Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve. And, and we're Presbyterian. 
anyway, I guess my question is, how does money play a role in your family? And how did it play a role in your family growing up? And and how does it, how does your experience mirror what you saw? Or how are you doing things differently? My guest today is Emma Johnson. She's an award-winning business and personal finance journalist, a former AP finance staff reporter and MSN money columnist, and founder of the world's largest platform for single mothers, Wealthy Single Mommy, as well as the award-winning podcast, Like a Mother. As an expert, she has appeared on CNN, Headline News, Time, FoxNews.com, Oprah.com, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and she's won Parent Magazine's Best of the Web. Her new book is The Kick-Ass Single Mom, Be Financially Independent, Discover Your Sexiest Self, and Raise Fabulous Happy Children. It's out this month. So this episode is for all moms. This is just about adulting. Um, It's for all moms. Obviously, we talk about relationships. We talk about divorce. We talk about being a single mother. But this is for everybody, even if you are happily married. I'm so tempted to be like, dun-dun-dun, because you never know. No, I'm not going to do that. That's not what a time moms is about. But you never know. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Why can't I help myself? Uh, Okay. Skype really messed with us. Emma and I were totally brilliant, and Skype kept screwing up. So this episode is slightly cut and pasted, and um, yeah, it's not our fault. It's the technical God's faults. And there you go. I will be right back with Emma Johnson. Hello. Hi. Oh, this is so much better. Great. So much better. Okay. Emma Johnson, I'm freaked out about money. I'm sure we'll like dig up all my personal issues throughout this episode because that's always what happens on Atomic Moms. <laughs> I'm always the guinea pig. Um, but I first, I just want to say thank you so much for writing this book. Thank you for making it so easy to read, entertaining, thoughtful, and incredibly useful. It's also really, really empowering. This is not only for single mothers. This is for every woman out there. Let's start with this. You decide you're getting divorced. What are the immediate steps to financially protect yourself? I just want to point out, I I am a divorced mom, and I'm a little bit of an old-fashioned buddy-daddy because most uh, young moms are not divorced. We know that 64% of millennial moms have a baby outside of a traditional marriage. And moms are not divorced moms anymore. Uh, many are, of course, but the majority of them are people who just aren't getting married. Um, and that's all great. My book is for all kinds of single moms. I don't care how you got here. It is about getting on your way here on out. Right. So, and money is going to be a problem in the short term. And I don't care how rich you are. Single moms feel broke at the beginning of this journey because you probably are going to have less than you did before. You're going to have less than when you were in a relationship or less than you had before you had kids because we all know kids are so expensive. Okay, so when you write that when creating a full life on your own terms, you must live within the very parameters of that life as it is now. So how would a new single mom figure out her budget? It is based on the money that you you have right now. It is not based on the money or the lifestyle that you had before you became a single mom or how much your ex, what his lifestyle is like, or how much child support you hope to squeeze out of him or what you hope to achieve in your career. You're talking about right now, because if you're living within your means every month, you're not worrying about keeping the lights literally on. You are not going to have that stress and you're going to be making decisions from a place of power and not a place of fear. 
And this might mean a lot of changes that can be really upsetting during an upsetting time, but you need to make decisions as an adult. That's another one. Second one is I want you to think really critically about who you're spending time with, because especially if you're going through a big life transition, we all need people and support around us all the time. That's just a basic human fundamental thing. But if you're going through a big trauma, breakup, a divorce, a pregnancy, babies that you need, you bring those people you love closer to you. And that's wonderful if you have those people. And, uh, but that does not necessarily mean that this is your tribe for everything in your life. Maybe your family loves you and they love your kids and they're there for you. But if you're thinking about changing your lifestyle and your goals and dreams for yourself, you might need to find different people that are going to support you in that new endeavor. So your divorce, maybe the people that are close to you are very critical of you for not keeping that relationship together. That's not a good place for you to hang out a lot. Maybe you are going to go big. You're around people that maybe have had the same lifestyle income for their lives. You're ready to go big. And that's going to be my next key bit of advice is to go big and set big, scary goals for yourself. Your peer circle cannot withstand that. If you are used to making a middle-class income and you're ready to go big time, there are changes that absolutely have to make. Science supports this. We know that you know teenagers hang out with kids who smoke, they're more likely to smoke. If your friends are overweight, you're more likely to be unhealthy and overweight. If your friends are very happy working really basic minimum wage jobs, it is, you need other peers that are going to help you think bigger. So that's the other thing. And the third thing, again, is going really big. It's about setting big goals and scaring the hell out of yourself because you cannot grow as a person, professionally, creatively, and you're not going to be your best mom to your kids if you are not going for your dreams. Boom. Love it. Okay, so now I want to pivot and ask you a really personal question, uh, but I think it's relatable to a lot of moms and especially to artists. Okay, so I've had sponsors for the podcast in the past, and then whenever they ask for the numbers, I always get this, like, the feeling of the heebie-jeebies. Like, I just... Uh, it becomes unenjoyable for me. I look at the content differently. Um, I feel this added pressure. And then I just sort of avoid it all. And I'm like, you know what? This is my passion. It's growing. It's wonderful. But the second money is involved, it just feels like all this pressure. So what's your advice there? Well, this is a hobby for you. It doesn't sound like you need to make money. You don't really see the power in making your own money. And we can talk about that. I mean, women, you, women, adult people have their own money because that's how you have power. And you are, you're creating this very important uh, service to your listeners and to the world, Ellie. And, you know, that's great. Yeah, we should all be personally fulfilled in the work that we do, but you should also be getting paid for this. And you know, I don't know. Do you feel like you're being greedy? Is it like there's a thing with women like, oh, if you ask for money, then you're a gold digger and that's not ladylike and you don't do It's not about the gold digger thing. I don't know. It's about there's, I don't know. I think there's something like really intense for me though, because I'm like getting all tingly. I think, I mean, it probably just goes down to like a sense of worthiness probably. I mean, clearly I need to like go to therapy about money. Yeah, it's, in, you know, it's, um, yeah, it is worthy because how would it feel? Well, how would it feel if a sponsor came to you and they're like, we're going to give you a thousand bucks of an episode. We think you're, and we, we really value what you do. You create a great service and we want to be attached to that. And that's, you know, $50,000 a year. 
care that it's going to be in your name only for a project that you already love and do from your heart. And now we want to pay you a reasonable sum for that. How would that make you feel? It would feel good, but then all of a sudden I'm afraid that when it becomes all-consuming, I get really tense and stressed out, and then I'm not as available to my tiny, tiny children, including my newborn, or I am more likely to lose my temper with my husband. And, like, right now I want to, you know, be in a good relationship and have time for my kids because I think, like, the way I grew up— my mother became very successful, and there wasn't a ton of time. And there was a lot of stress that came from work into home. So maybe it's about figuring out boundaries. Like, how did you figure out how to have this amazing career? And like right now, you're probably on some incredibly busy book tour. How are you able to do those things and then come home to your kids and, and not let it consume you? Yeah. And it's, you know, first of all, I don't get it right every day, but I hope the net sum is that both. And it's, again, it's not just, you know, the work and family realm, right? Part of big part of my book, the kick-ass single mom, it's wanting women to prioritize all parts of ourselves. Like we have physical bodies we need to take care of and mind our health and we need friendships and we have uh, romantic and sexual needs that need to be honored and creative lives and spiritual lives and need for community and service and all of these things. And I just know through lots of trial and error that the more I honor myself as a whole woman, the more awesome I am at, at all of the things, the better my business is. Uh, and the more I give to my kids and the prouder I am of the woman that I am for my kids and other people in my life. And I just, you know, you're right. My life is super intense, but I do, but I, I need my kids like last. So a, a girlfriend of mine came in from out of town. Uh, a number of my friends are in from out of town for a book party tomorrow night. Oh, fun. And um, That's so cool. So she, so it is so cool. And so it's like, it's so wonderful because one, I get girlfriend time. Um, two, she's helping me with my kids a ton. Like as I'm running around New York City, like doing all this stuff that's out of the ordinary for me. Usually my life isn't so hectic. Um, but then like last night I made dinner and I had a little dinner party. She was here and my kids came home early from their dad's on Sunday. My boyfriend came over and I cooked a nice dinner. It wasn't fancy. I just roasted a salmon and some vegetables. And, um, but it was a nice, healthy home cooked dinner. We had some wine and then I, my boyfriend came over and that scratched a couple adult itches and, <laughs> everybody. And now all like, I have all this energy. I went out for a run today. I'm yes. doing like a ton of media and then my kids are going to come home and run them around to soccer, like any other normal Monday night. But it's like, everything is serving everything else. I feel good engaged in my work. I'm going to have energy to give to my kids. I'm like, you know, it's maintaining my friendship, my romantic relationship, and it's all good. Yes. You're able to check all those boxes. And I'm glad that you are commemorating such, this is such a big deal. I mean, reading your bio, you've clearly done a lot with your life. But, I mean, I, it's nice that you are commemorating such a, a special time. I'm going to give a listener quiz now. Okay, listeners. Uh -huh. When okay. saving, do you prioritize college savings or retirement? Okay, listeners, answer that question in your head. When saving, do you prioritize college savings or retirement? All right, Emma, what's the answer? Oh, you absolutely always uh, prioritize uh, retirement. 
And I would put a whole bunch of other financial priorities above college savings, like you should have an emergency fund and you know whatever's going paying off, definitely get rid of the credit card debt. And maybe you have some important home repairs that need to be made, Help taking care of your health, spend your money on all of that stuff before college. Your kids are adults when they're 18 and they are technically and I think morally obliged to pay for their own college. And if you happen to have some money sitting around and want to help them, that's great. That's a choice if all these other things are taken care of. But the best gift that you can give your kids is your own financial health. If you're not taking care of your finances, it's stressful and you're going to be a stressed out mom. So that's compromising your everybody's life in the short term. And long term, it's setting a really bad example for your kids. You're not teaching them good financial habits if you're not taking care of yourself long term. And you're also sending the message that you're they're the ones that are going to be taking care of you. Yes, such a great point. Because my girlfriend, Bridget, who's been on the podcast multiple times, she's amazing. Uh, she's always talking about, you know, the sandwich generation and the idea that, yeah, we're going to be taking care of our parents and our children at the same time. And let's, or many people will be doing that and, or, and are doing that right now. And uh, let's not do that to our kids. Um, yes. They'll be grateful. A, like they yes. might have to work harder for college, but then we won't be, you know, that boulder on their back when they are trying to start their own families. It's so true. I mean, I'm of the age, like all of my friends are having problems with their parents. Their parents are unwell. Their parents have financial problems on and on. And I can tell you, I put myself, my brother, I have two brothers and there was no money for us to go to college. We all put ourselves to school and I can speak for myself and I would be very confident speaking for my brothers. We are all proud of that. And I have zero resentment towards my parents for expecting that of us. You know what I'm resentful about? I'm resentful about the fact that my mom didn't take care of her finances at all and is a huge source of stress for my brothers and me. I'm very resentful about that. Yeah, I bet. Can there be like a whole thing about there should be psychology classes in money? Why do we get so weird about it? Why why, why do people get so weird about money? I know this is like a million-dollar question, but like— Well, it's money is power— and we were told that money doesn't matter. Like you marry for love and then it doesn't matter. Your money is my money. It doesn't matter how much money everybody has. We share, we love conquer. That's like a child thinking, you know, that. Ugh, it's so weird. I went to a women's college. Like I'm a feminist. What is wrong with me? My mom's been married three times. I think I'm afraid that like, if I am earning as much as my husband or more, I, I there must be a fear of like the, the it, like, I don't know the power. Yeah, the the. Um, well, you're afraid that it's gonna it, it would upset the power of the relationship. It, the relationship would change. Yeah, and there and that's why I mean the chances of men, of both partners, men and women, uh, being unfaithful and cheating grow exponentially when men are financially dependent on women, yeah. and uh, breadwinning wives. Yeah, there's a very high chance of divorce, and it's um, it's a real threat. I'm actually very interested. I know that in my marriage, my I had all, but I had always kept a foot in my business. My daughter was one at the beginning of the end of my marriage, um, so it was. The, I didn't have a long uh, history of, to speak about this, but I more or less assumed that being the stay-at-home mom was better, and I was going to do that. And I know that's really what my husband wanted. Um, and before that, I had a 
uh, journalism business and I did really well. And I, by outward appearance, I was very successful. Like I think after my second year and this was 10, 11 years ago, I made like a hundred thousand dollars in my second year of business. And I had my name and all these publications. I mean, like yeah. I was successful, right? It looked For great. Sure. But in hindsight, I think I held myself back. And, and this is something moms out there. I want you to think about like where, how are you holding yourself back? My own mother went back to law school after six years off because she got divorced and she needed to, and she wanted to support herself and me. So she went back to law school. Like if she had stayed married, she never would have done that. Mm-hmm. And it's like this whole world can crack open. Yeah, it happens all the time. That And there's some science or some a study that shows that women are most likely to drop out of the workforce entirely at the moment her income is about to eclipse her husband's. And we also know that men are more likely to use um, like Viagra and other sex enhancing drugs when his, he is um, married to a woman who earns more than him. So it's like, it is emasculating. And we know this as women, we know it, some women recognize it explicitly, but I think intuitively or unconsciously women know this. And that was my story minus the um, Viagra. It, because I knew that once I got out of the marriage, I became the sole primary, this not just the primary, but the sole income earner. And, um, and my career just skyrocketed and it was very humbling because I thought I knew myself and I thought I was successful, but I became so much more successful. And I realized in hindsight, and it's, I'm not blaming men for this. I co-created the situation with my husband at the time. He's very masculine. He's very, um, at a big glamorous job. He was a news, he was a photojournalist for like a global organization and went around the world. It was really awesome. He was very competent. I was very proud of him. And he was also, he's Southern European and he's like, you know, he's a macho guy and I like that. And that was the dynamic. We both played our roles and I played my role. And so the marriage ended and then I started playing another role, which I liked even better. And that was my own success and my own money and a lot of it. And it felt so good. And it still, it feels better all the time because I keep making more money and I I keep becoming more successful. And so in this work I have with single moms, like through, I have this big platform, uh, it's uh, wealthy single mommy is my blog. I have my own podcast. It's called Like a Mother, and then an online community that I want your single mom followers to know about. It's called Millionaire Single Moms, and there's ten thousand women in there, and it's like this amazing community of support and fun and good stuff. But I meet so many women, and I bring this topic up because I too am really fascinated about it. I don't think we've talked enough about this, but um, they come out of marriages and they say the same thing. Some of them were aware. They're like, I chose not to go for that promotion because I knew that my ex husband could not, uh, handle it. And others are like, you know, they have clarity in hindsight, like I did, but I see it in a lot of my married friends. These were women who were like Ivy league top of their class driven. They meet, you know, nice guys, Mm -hmm. you know, this is not like explicit abuse, but it's just, you're together a lot of years. You have babies. Life is, gets heavy. Something has to give. And she, and even they're often working, they're often working for pay but they always downgrade. And all of a sudden, right. they are not earning and achieving and thriving like their peers were that were in their Ivy League school. They are mediocre. Yeah. Because I uh, interviewed the journalist who wrote uh, the piece for The Atlantic, uh, The Ambition Interviews. I don't know if you had a chance to check that out. But they said 
that when they interviewed all of these women that they had gone to Northwestern with, um, that there were just so few power couples that basically the woman always ends up taking the back seat. And so my question to you is, if you were to stay married or get married again— No, I'm not How do again. you— Okay. <laughs> no. Well, then there you no go. Reason. Maybe that's the answer. There's no reason for right. me to get married. I'm in a, a relationship with a really wonderful guy, and, you know— but it's, yeah, whatever. So go ahead. Ask your question. Like, I'm in a relationship. So same deal, right? Go ahead. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. How can there be a power couple anymore? Because it feels like somebody has to take on the responsibility of the children and the doctor's appointments. And yes, we ask, I mean, my husband is like so awesome and takes our daughter to school every day. He's very involved. I'm lucky he's a screenwriter. So he just like wanders around in sweatpants and like helps out whenever I really need it, like, because he's home working. But how do you, like, if you're both chasing it so hard, you just have to be okay with the fact that, like, somebody else is going to be in charge of, like, the home stuff. And then I guess when you're with your child, you just have to be fully present, right? And and listeners, I'm asking this, not judging working moms at all, like, how do you do it? How do you maintain the relationships in your life while chasing your dreams and being as ambitious as f- But I mean, the assumption is that you have to work a million hours to be ambitious and accomplish. Like it's not more is more. Ooh, keep going. Tell me more about that. Cause I think that's, you're right. You just got me there. I mean, sometimes you do like right now I'm launching a book and I have a lot of interviews and I'm doing some travel, but you know, I have my business set up where I can make really good money and accomplish a lot. And you have to get over these ideas that you moms listening have to be the one running the house. Your way isn't better. You know, who's might be better is a housekeeper or a nanny. Like they can might they be doing these things and they're loving, competent people that are running your house because mm-hmm. let's face it, if you're a professional woman, a lot of that stuff is way above, way below your pay grade. And so everybody's focused on their core competence, right? You spend a couple of great hours with your kids every day. You spend a few really intense hours on your career. You make sure you spend time with your friends and your partner and exercise every freaking day and get over this idea that like being harried and, and overwhelmed is somehow a badge of honor because that's just bullshit that holds women back. That's so helpful to hear out loud. Because I'm coming at this of fear of like the workaholism, <laughs> workaholic, like of being a workaholic. And I know that I run away into things like projects, but that's not, that has nothing to do with being a working mom. That has to do with um, weird personal psychological issues that some people have <laughs> where they hide in their work. And that's not at all what you're saying. Right. And more is not more. I mean, the metric is, like, you know, it, the metric is not like, okay, big, big deal. You're president of the bank. Like, why is that the metric? Or an X amount of income, why is that the metric? Or, you know, more hours with your kid. You don't win because you spent every waking moment with your kid. Like, you, you don't get a, an award for that. No. Oh, my God, no. This kind of blew my mind. You had, When you got divorced, a counselor said to you, Um, that you could mom 150%, but that it still wouldn't be enough. And so where did the counselor tell you to just put that other 50% of your energy? Oh, it was somebody else. Yeah, I think I quoted another mom saying was that to focus on supporting your kid's dad and his parenting. 
And that is, that's powerful, right? And that's complicated because then it's It's so hard. Well, it smacks of being responsible for somebody else's behavior, which of course we're not. But that mom, that's a great success story because it's very common that he, you know, the dad, you know, here's the common scenario that it's couples together and, you know, the mom's over, she's running the house and she's working and she's taking care of the kids and she's pissed off because she's resentful and he's not doing his share. He's checked out of the family. They split up. And he's still checked out of the family. And how do you re-engage him? Because fatherlessness, I mean, you know, I go into my book, there's so many negative stereotypes and presumptions about single motherhood. And the, you know, the GOP has been harping on single mother families for decades now about like holding us responsible for all the ills of society. It's Oh yeah, Murphy Brown, man. Yeah, I still remember (laughs) that. Yeah, you probably totally remember that, right? That was your family. Oh my God, that was the show I'd watch like every week with my mom. We'd watch Murphy Bound together. Yeah, <laughs> my mother, totally. Like, also I totally like remember Bergen, that. But, yeah, that was, it was yeah. empowering. It was it was powerful. You know, depending on how what you took away from it, but mm-hmm. the science is it's not that they're single mother led households. The science is it's fatherlessness, it's poverty. These are the indicators of risk for kids. So we need men. We need men engaged. And what this particular example that resonated with you and me too, is that, um, this mom, you know, the dad was checked out. He wasn't like showing up to see the kids or he'd take like one of the three kids at a time. And he just kind of sucked all around as a dad. And, uh, she just was very patient with him and would say, what do I need to do? What, how can I help you? How can I support you be a better dad? And she would make a million concessions that a lot of she didn't have to do. Like they were kind of ridiculous. Some of them, like she would help him fix up his apartment to be more accommodating to the kids. She would, you know, be supportive of him re-engaging with the kids, like, you know, taking one kid at a time, being okay with that, welcoming him into family events where he was not necessarily welcome, all of these things. And it took a long time, but he is now an engaged and equal parent. And the benefits of that, moms, I cannot tell you because I've been on both sides of it. I have had a very marginally involved co-parent and a wonderfully involved co-parent. You heard my phone dinging right here on my computer because mm-hmm. I'm texting with my ex about the soccer games and I'm traveling for work and oh. he's helping taking the kids extra and engaging his girlfriend. And I'm engaging my boyfriend and we're all working together to care for these two little monkeys. And it's so <laughs> much better than fighting with him all the time and having him not involved. God. So, I mean, she sounds like a saint to put up with all of that and to continue, especially, man, you think about like how much people can really, really hate each other. You do, um, and that's okay. <laughs> and, but to think of the long, so we, so moms think of the long game. And I guess you just have to trust that they'll eventually get it. Um, but yes, it's so, so important to con- to keep the father in their children's life, if at all possible. And you also mentioned in the book that, Dads, I mean, right now I'm just in this phase where I just, uh, it just feels like men are the worst, but not my partner currently. We cannot go there. We love men. We have sons. That's, you know, that's one of the big challenges. I run this I'm just like the whole me too thing. I'm just like, ugh. But yes. It's tough. It is tough because we love men and we need men. And they are... Men want to be good dads. And I think women need to take some responsibility for a lot of the challenges that families face. I mean, in the scenario that I laid out, which is so common, and I know I'm guilty of this too, 
look, there's so much pressure on moms to be the primary one at home. We're, we're told that we're the better parent, that we should stay home because we're the mommies and the babies lived inside of us and we nurse them. And, and there's so much <laughs> pressure on us to be everything. And so we unconsciously assume these roles that we're running the house. Well, then we're managing the house and then it's our way. And men check out in households like that when they don't yeah. feel like they are equally yeah. engaged there because they're not equally engaged. They're not equally respected in the home. And, you know, when those marriages end, those relationships end, then the guys check out. Yeah. And you say that if the, if when there's conflict between the mother and the father, the father will be less engaged with the children. To piggyback on this idea, share the history of you and the father um, so that they have a sweet story of origin. I love that tip you give because I've never heard my dad talk about, you know, like the early days with my mom. And like, that's a bummer. Um it would be nice to hear about, you know, it gets complicated when you get remarried, I guess, but it would be really nice. Like, I feel like that that's something um, I'm personally missing. It would be cool to hear more about what it was like when my parents met and that, you know, they fell in love and that I did come from love and not just sort of like they're bickering and fighting. Um, I yeah. love that. And right. Or whatever. I mean, look, you know what? That's, you know, that's my story with my kid's dad. We had a great thing for a while and, and maybe that's not your, maybe it was horrible from the beginning or yeah, maybe, maybe. like a lot of people are not involved with their kid's dad. They did not right. have a romantic relationship and that it's all okay. It all, I mean, on one hand, yeah, I'm it so matters you're because you need, yeah. you need to contend with that, like and your personal life and your own romantic journey and your kids are deserve stories and context. But in a way, it doesn't fucking matter. In a way, it's like, okay, you're here now. How do you build an awesome life? So, you know, yes, honor that. You can deal with that. But also move on, I think, is the big takeaway. So, yeah, I do. I Because I, I'm the same thing. way. my parents were divorced. My mom had not one nice thing to say about my dad. Yeah. My dad, on the other hand, would tell, like, sweet stories about my mom. And I loved that. Aww. I just loved it. Yeah. And it felt made me feel closer to her because I would hear these stories about her when she was, like, young. And she'd smoke weed sometimes. And, like, my, my mom's super square. And I was like, what? And I, it was awesome. And I, it really, it made me, yeah, it made me feel like I came from a place of love. And it, it helped me understand my parents as people, as whole people, not just painted in these like broad, two-dimensional negative strokes, which is what I got from my mom. So I think that's where a lot of my, um, my drive to do that from my own kids comes from. And they love it. Like they are, I, you're talking about, like I was told them, it was, so this is how it goes. I was, I tell my kids this funny story about when their dad and I very first met and we lived in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's like 200 degrees every day. And he, we were both broke journalists and he it was July and he took me out on a date in his like, it was like a 15 year old Honda Accord hatchback. And it was so old that like all the paint had like peeled off the hood and the air conditioning like did not work. It was on, but it was like hot steam basically coming out and the, uh, the, the seatbelt sensor was broke. So even if you were buckled in, it would still beep the whole time. <laughs> and so he's like taking me out on a sexy date with like, we're dying, like sweating. And the seatbelt thing is like beeping the whole time. Everything. And my kids and I laugh about that. We like do this little chorus. And my daughter's like, all right, you do the seat. You do the hot air coming out. I'm like, 
<laughs> and then one of the kids like starts beeping and it's just really, really funny. And they love that. And then one time we were in the car with their dad, we we're all driving to like soccer game or something. And the kids brought it up and he was laughing because he'd forgotten about it. And it was really, really, really nice moment. And when we share those stories, I imagine then you, we also like release some of the anger towards our partner. Like when we're able yes. to at least like kind of celebrate the good moments that there were, that that would help with uh, the rage. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. I want to say, listeners, that when you get this book, God, this is what's so cool. I love how you really um, share advice for all types of single moms, including, you know, single moms by widowhood. Um, And listeners, you might have listened to our episode with my husband's sister, actually. She was pregnant, 24 years old, when she lost her husband. Um, And you talk about single moms by choice. You talk about um, divorce. And, you know, that there's a million different paths to becoming a single mom. Um, And and also get this book if you're happily married because it's helpful. I've been in this like, you know, I'm blaming everything on the newborn these days, but it's time for me to wake up a little bit. Um, so thank you for, you know, giving me this like sobering uh, <laughs> lesson, but doing it with like a hot pink cover. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> yeah, I'm really grateful to Penguin for the hot pink cover. I'm like taking this hot pink theme to the craziest degree. Like, got some accessories for my home. I got so many pink dresses to wear, like media stuff. Oh, that's so smart. It's so fun. Like, everyone's getting on board, and like, um, my fr- my friends visiting. She got her like nails on hot pink. My daughter's wearing a pink dress to the party tomorrow. Anyways, we're nerding out on pink so bad, but I feel like there's like a spiritual component to it, and I'm going with it. What what is a spiritual <laughs> component? Do you think? What, I think it's just like manifesting. You know, okay. it's like just manifesting good book sales and good good vibes, and um, just because I'm just you know I am just really committed to getting this book out into the world in a meaningful way. And so, you know, why not just take it to, take it to the nerd level, right? I love it. I would. I, I bet your daughter is so proud of you. Like, that's going to be so cool when she goes to that party tomorrow. Yeah, like, it's cool. My son, there's seven and nine, so my son is seven and my daughter's nine. He's like... I was like, in the, we were all in the car, and my publicist called, and she found out that I'm going to be on the doctors. I did a on the doctors. So yeah. that was pretty exciting. And I, I like telling the kids, and my son's like, Mom, you're getting famous. Everybody wants you on their TV show, even Bob's Burgers. Linda's going to want to be a kick-ass single mom, except then Bob is going to make her get remarried. <laughs> I love that. I love how he's relating it to his show. Bob's, yeah, it's Bob's word. That's great. Like a single mom. All right. I know that you are so busy. I'm so excited for you and this launch. Uh, I'm going to let you go now. And listeners, I'm going to be right back with a, an exercise for all of us. I'm pulling it from the page of uh, the Kick-Ass Single Mom. I'll be right back with that. Okay, here is page 191 from the Kick-Ass Single Mom. This is a great exercise for all of us. I wish I had a cool, serious reading voice. Create a family manifesto for your household. I'll never get a job being a reader. Okay, 
Write down all the things that are important to you as a mother and what defines your family. This should include your values, such as being kind to others, expressing gratitude daily, and prioritizing relationships and experiences over things. Also include activities that make your family special. Perhaps you all play music or spend as much time as you can traveling. Your family can be defined in part by your faith, financial responsibility, cracking up a whole lot, giving back to your favorite charity, having lots of parties, and group activities like biking, rock climbing, or going to the beach. Ask for your kids' input and engage them in creating a poster board of your family. Think of it as a family crest, but cooler. Post it in the kitchen or somewhere you will see it every day. Redo it at least once per year. On our private Atomic Moms Facebook page, so to get that, you go to Facebook, you go to our Atomic Moms podcast page, and then there's like a, a private group, okay? In that private group, you you ask to sign up, and I have a tricky question that you answer, and all the listeners will know the answer to it. Um, so that way we know it's private. Share your board. That would be really fun. I want to see your family crest, your family manifesto. Uh, share it there. I'll get cracking on mine. Okay. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on your iPhone on the Apple Podcast app. You can stream on AtomicMoms.com. Share with friends. Okay, everybody. Let's go live big. Um, didn't need to yell there. My boobs are about to explode again. All right. Love (laughs) y'all. Until next week, trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. Rock on, Atomic Moms.